0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. And Brenda, are you back with us? I am indeed. Oh, good, Brenda. Uh, we now go to talking about the economy. And to do that, we have Catherine Christofferson. And Catherine, good morning.
5: Brenda,
2: thank you for having me.
5: Great to have you on board. And Catherine is the CEO of the McCollum Christopherson Firm, uh, located right in Amherst. And Catherine, uh, since we last talked, uh, boy, a lot of things have certainly happened Uh, in this uh, very strange, uh, surreal time we're living in, known as the coronavirus era. Um, Tell us, uh, just kind of as a general overview, Catherine, how has the market responded to the shutdown since, say, mid-March for the most part?
2: Well, let me just take a a little bit of a step back and and just state the obvious, that we're all suffering from COVID fatigue. I mean, with we're faced with so many emotions over these months. I mean, we started out gung ho, we were gonna wear our masks and flatten the curve and get through this, but as it drags on and on and on, we're we're faced with so many emotions. I mean there's frustration, there's confusion, there's resentment and even in some cases sadness and loneliness. And so on top of that we're we're looking at unrest uh, social unrest, disrespect for law and order. So it's it's easy to understand why all of us are getting discouraged and looking to our our investments and thinking, with so little control that I have over my life right now, maybe the thing I need to do is take control of my investments and get the cash and wait to see how this all uh, rolls out and. You know, we I get questions from clients about, well, what do you think is going to happen in the election? How is the market going to respond to either Trump getting reelected or Biden getting elected? And maybe I should go to gold. So I'd like to kind of address uh, a couple of those things if you don't mind because oh, please do. I'm seeing popping up uh, the most. So um, as far as the market in general, I mean, between mid-February and mid-March, we had a 34% decline in just 33 days. And that about takes the breath out of everyone when you have that, that big of a drop in such a short period of time. It was actually historic. But then on March 23rd, we had the greatest 50-day rally in history. So if you let your emotions take over, if you abandon your plan, that's when you get into trouble. And that's what I have been saying and uh, to all of our clients, and certainly whenever I'm interviewed. Um, the, the thing is to try to pull yourself out of that emotional and very natural human uh, reaction to do something. So the other thing that I hear a lot, well, let's get back to the election. So the market doesn't hate Trump, and it doesn't hate Biden. It hates uncertainty, and that's what we have. And so as we approach the, the election, we're going to continue to see this up and down and up and down. And, and who knows? Maybe what after the election we won't have certainty right away. But the, the main thing to remember is that you can't time the market it just can't be done. And the only way that you're going to capture the full permanent returns of equities is to be willing to fully capture the temporary declines. And that's the message that I have been giving to all of our clients. And it's it's really hard to do. It's easy to say, but it's quite a different thing to do it. So um, that's kind of where we are right now, this, this emotional period of time where We don't feel we have control. We want to do something, but the kinds of things we should be doing don't necessarily have to do with our investment.
5: You know, Catherine, that is such a great point because I think part of the anxiety I feel and other people I talk to about this, uh, not only uh, financially, but in every other aspect of our life is that there seems to be no end in sight. It's not like we can say, well, on such and such a date, the virus will be over and then we can kind of move on. Um, there's just such a a feeling of uncertainty, as you mentioned, because there is no definitive end in sight. Do you hear that from your clients as well? Yeah, definitely. I think
2: everyone, like I said, everyone is experiencing it. Um, The the key for financial advisors, though, is to continue to get your clients focused on their long-term goals. Now, Some of our long-term goals may be changing right now. If we've been laid off or if we have been uh, unemployed, maybe that means we're going to have to work longer or maybe that means an adjustment to how we're saving and that sort of thing. So rather than make a knee-jerk reaction, a better strategy in in getting yourself to do something is start to evaluate your long-term goals and give it time. I mean, it's, it's not a process where you sit down at the desk, you write down a few goals, and then you're done. It's, it's a process of really being introspective, thinking about your future. This is going to end. We don't know when, and, and Brenda, as you said, that's the frustrating part. It just keeps going on and on and on. But on the other side, we do have some promise of some vaccines. The entire world, is working on a vaccine and also ther- therapeutics that can help mitigate um, the issues with the COVID nineteen. So there are some positives in the in the future, and we will get through this.
5: No doubt, I, I like uh, your optimism about that, and not only is it optimism, but it's realistic too. And I, you know, you you have to often remind yourself of that. Um, as far as four hundred one k's go, Catherine, we've laughed in the past, uh, saying I. I think my 401k is more like a 201k. Uh, And I can appreciate why businesses cannot always continue to match funds. But, um, you know, when it comes to that kind of savings, is there anything people should do? You don't recommend, for example, closing it out or anything drastic at this point, correct? Absolutely. I absolutely
2: do not advocate closing it out. The temptation is there's money out there. I need money now. I think I'll take my 401k and cash it out. The problem with doing that is, first of all, you've destroyed your long-term plan. You may not be able to recover from a decision that radical. But on top of everything else, you have to pay taxes as if uh, uh, as if it were ordinary income. If your age is under 59 and a half, you pay a 10% early withdrawal penalty. And taking out a big lump sum out of your 401k is likely to launch you into a higher tax bracket. So you're really getting hurt, not just ordinary income taxes with federal and state. And in New York State, we have a pretty high income tax rate. But you're also losing that future earning power because those dollars that you spend for taxes are permanently gone. You just wipe them out. You've given them to Uncle Sam and Uncle Cuomo, and they're gone forever. <laughs> so uh, unless you're in dire straits and you have nowhere to go and your back is against the wall, that's a that's a different different situation. But hopefully, with some of the stimulus, some of the uh, you know the the products that, that the Fed is trying to enact to keep people afloat keep businesses afloat during this period of time hopefully you can um, get through this at the at the very most and I haven't advocated this before but at the very most you could stop contributing for a period of time if you need those dollars in your paycheck but cashing it in is probably the worst thing that you can do and again, it's it's a mistake that you may never recover from,
0: Captain. Let me ask you this: For those who have been working the entire pandemic and might actually, you know, financially still be okay, they get these stimulus checks or the check they might be getting in a few weeks. Would you advocate for putting that in the market to invest that money in a down economy right now?
2: No, I would not. Um, I really because we don't have complete certainty uh, as to when this is going to end and whether we're going to have a recurrence or any of that. I would say if you don't need that money for day-to-day expenses and, and just what you normally have in your budget, put that money aside. Now, granted you will be earning zero (laughs) interest rates are almost non-existent right now. So if you have that check, it comes in, you don't need it, put it aside. And In doing that, you're prepared for a rainy day. A lot of people don't have that rainy day fund or that emergency fund or whatever. This would be the time, if you're fortunate enough to be working during this whole pandemic, you get the stimulus check, just put it aside for now. Um, There will be a time to decide what to do with it, but right now I advocate building up your emergency fund just in case this goes longer than we
3: expect.
5: Catherine, um, you're with the McCollum Christopherson firm. You are the CEO and it's unusual even in today's society to have a female at the helm. So I always uh, thought about you in that sense that you're a trailblazer and you've been in this business for a fair amount of time. Now, I know one of the hallmarks of the McCollum Christopherson firm is the fact that you do a lot of research. You don't haphazardly have um, different stocks or uh, different uh, items traded Uh, without giving it a lot of thought about what people are doing with their investments. So in an era like this, which is unlike anything we've ever experienced, how do you choose investments? How difficult is it with this kind of coronavirus uh, era that we're living in?
2: Well, um, good question, Uh, Brenna. We are rather unique. Um, The industry is going toward the type of investments that you see in your 401k selection. So they're Generally, mutual funds or exchange traded funds, and what those are are a basket of a a number of different uh, companies. What we do, which is becoming more and more unique, is we do buy individuals, uh, we buy stock in individual companies. The way that we manage through a period like this is to be first mindful of the industry groups that are out there. I mean, we have. Uh, the hospitality industry, which is getting really hit hard. People have stopped traveling. Um, They're not going on vacations uh, internationally. The airlines are being impacted. On the flip side, we have industries that are humming along really well, companies like Amazon, even the um, uh, electronic money transfer companies like PayPal and Square. They're doing particularly well in this environment so first thing is to look at the industry groups stay away from those that are have got a long way to go before they're going to recover the the energy industry you could put into that category as well so that's you know the initial part of the research then we have three pillars that we insist on for something to get into our clients portfolios number one the company has to be financially secure And if that that wasn't important before, it certainly is now because we like companies that pay dividends. And not all of the companies in our portfolios do pay dividends, but of those that do, we want to make sure that they're not going to cut or eliminate that dividend. So financial security is number one. Number two, we want management that can prove itself in trying times. And this is exactly what we're talking about. How does management react? How do they manage their company through these difficult times? And three, we we look for companies that have a product or service that's generally going to be in demand. so for example, we own Pepsi. Um, you know you may you may uh, not go out and buy a new car in this environment, but your decision to go out and buy a, a bottle of Pepsi or uh, a carton of Band-Aids or a box of Kleenex or whatever, those are not as impacted by economic upheavals such as we're experiencing now.
5: A very interesting approach. And Catherine, I, I can't help but think about some of these drugs that we're learning about. Now, it seems like hydroxychloroquine has been debunked as a, a, any kind of cure or um, a way to facilitate healing from the COVID crisis. Uh, from a COVID diagnosis. However, there's another drug that we keep hearing about. Is it wise for people to, to, to call their financial advisor and say, hey, I think this is going to be the next big thing. Will you buy some stock in this company? Do you operate under that premise at all?
2: No, we do
5: not. That's, that is in complete violation of our
2: investment philosophy. It's, it's, it's more gambling than investing. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know. I mean, there are a couple of companies. Pfizer uh, seems to be at the lead right now, but that can change in a, in a heartbeat. So, yes, you're going to see a lot of, oh, there's this company, and they're a startup company, they're a biotech company, and they're coming up with their, um, their vaccine or their therapeutic, and let's just bail, buy, you know pile into it. That's not the way to invest. That truly is gambling. And if you're going
5: to gamble, go to Las Vegas and at least have some fun. <laughs> Maybe take in a show if there was one. I w-
0: yeah, I wish we could go to Vegas.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, I-, I also wanted to ask you about uh, the stock market. Sometimes it seems to me, in my layman's view here, that it doesn't really reflect the economy. What, what is the true indicator of how the economy is doing? Well,
2: there's just so many factors. I mean, you have right now the fear of inflation because we're um, taking on so much debt to uh, keep these programs going to help us through this, uh, this time that we're in. So it, it, it's a number of things that you have to look at, um, the level of our debt, whether how our dollar is going to withstand all of this, whether we're going to have a decline in the value of the dollar. Um, yeah. There's just so many um, factors. But I think what your underlying question is, how can the market <laughs> be doing as well as it is with everything that's going on around us? And that is what what drives the market more than anything else, is the anticipation of earnings. And so the market has already factored in the fact that – the second quarter of 2020 is going to be a bad one, but it's probably going to be the worst, among the worst, if not the worst, and that there is a light at the t- end of the tunnel. There are going to be earnings for various companies. And so it's that anticipation of future earnings that, that fuels the market. And so although it is economic you know, there's certainly economic factors to uh, to what the market is doing. And that relates a little bit back to what I was saying about industry groups. There is still an anticipation that things are going to get better, and that's what drives the market.
5: So as we wrap, what is your kind of final advice to people uh, as we navigate through these times? Well, you know, I've heard people saying, you know, maybe I need to just get out of the
2: market and wait to see what happens. Wait to see how the election goes. Wait to see how the virus goes. Wait to see how this goes. Doing that is is not the best investment philosophy because you have to be right twice. Number one, you have to be right when you get out, and then you have to be right when you get back in. And so... If you are not perfect in that timing, and no one is, no one is consistently, you stand to lose ground having done that. So I would say, again, um, the only way that you're going to be successful with your investments is you've got to ride through the storms. It's painful. It's not fun for any of us, but it's the only way you're going to be successful. If you try the strategy of, I'm going to get out now, but I'll get back in later when the water is safe. Nope, not going to work.
0: So if if I could summarize your advice, if you have money in, keep it. But if you don't, hold back.
2: I would say no. I would say you should have a disciplined way of investing your money and not change it no matter what happens. So we keep talking about 401Ks. That's pretty disciplined because it comes out of your paycheck every time. If you have that windfall from the stimulus package, that I would keep aside for an emergency. And down the road, if you can um, increase your 401K contributions when you don't need that money in your paycheck, that's fine. But I would say, you know, the stimulus package, it's like $600 uh, a person, and hopefully we're going to get another one of those. So we're not talking tens of thousands of dollars here. Just a little something on the side in case this goes longer and maybe the people who have been employed are finally not going to be employed and you want to have some cushion out there. So first make sure you have an emergency fund, a cushion, whatever you want to call it, don't stop contributing to your 401k unless you're, you're, you don't have enough money to make ends meet. That's a, that's a different thing. If you're doing fine with the paycheck that you have and with the distributions for your 401k that you have, leave it alone.
5: Catherine, are people able to come into your office? What's your policy about mask wearing, about appointments, and so forth? Well, right now we have not had in-house um, meetings, but we
2: have definitely stepped up our communication. The worst thing that you can do for a client is to be silent when they're sitting at home wondering what's going on.
0: I think you always have
6: to put health first. I would-
2: yes, yes, yes. We have, we wear masks outside of the office. We're naturally socially distanced. We're all more than six feet apart in our offices and, and workstations. Um, so right now, what we're doing is communicating via uh, either Zoom, I don't particularly like Zoom, but um, Zoom or teleconferences, reaching out to people um, so, that they, so that we can hear how they're feeling and help them through this time. But no, we're currently not um, having in-house meetings, but that may change. But we'll be wearing masks if we do, and we're sanitizing like crazy in the office.
5: I'm sure you're complying, and uh, thank goodness for technology. At least we can communicate. Catherine Christofferson, please stay safe and healthy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, and both of you stay safe and healthy as well. We sure will try. Thanks a million. Catherine Christofferson, CEO of the McCollum Christofferson Financial Advisory Group. We'll take a break. We'll catch up on the news and back with another half hour of Hardline right here on WBEN. Call from mom.
6: Or a lot. to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930. WBEN, Joe Beamer, and Brenda Alacy. Also in the building is David Bellavia, Medal of Honor recipient, hosting his uh, show starting tomorrow, 9 o'clock. David, brought some coffee. Thank you very much. Uh, Brenda?
5: David, do you have my address? <laughs> <laughs> I take it black and extra tall.
0: <laughs> so we, uh, we were talking, uh, talking over some things and got the uh, economic... News from Catherine Christofferson and you know, that's the uh that's the thing, right? Because people like me who aren't you know, don't know the the, the stock market that well, uh I look at oh, the Dow was up a hundred dollars or a hundred points on Friday the market must be back. (laughs) you know. I I take a look at one of those things. So it was good for her to really break it down and tell us what we're looking for and what to and not to do, because I think a lot of people are making that mistake of just pulling money, blindly just pulling money because they see uh, all the negative stories on the economy.
5: Well, absolutely, Joe. And it's so easy to panic and and maybe do something that you'll regret later, as Catherine pointed out. So I like talking to somebody like Katherine Christofferson, who's been a financial advisor for many years, because she's very measured. She doesn't take a political point of view or, or try to take um, uh, information and spin it to fit any uh, sort of agenda. So I really respect her knowledge and her level-headedness uh, when it comes to matters of money like this. Hey, Joe, before we go on, and our phone lines are open, by the way, eight zero three zero nine thirty, and it's the same number to use for our text board. The Volkswagen of Orchard
0: Park text board, 716- oh, 716 yes.
5: Thank you, sir. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, how wonderful it was, all the tributes to Sandy Beach. You and I have not talked since uh, Sandy retired uh, officially on July 30th, He finished out his incredible, illustrious 61-year run and uh, said some lovely things about you and also talked to a lot of folks who um, had a, a role in his life, whether it was personal or professional. And I've known Sandy for many, many years, and it was an honor to get on the air and talk about you know, he's the kind of friend at 3 in the morning I could call and count on because that's just the kind of guy he was. And so, just wanted to say something, Joe, because I know how much he meant to you and means to you as well.
0: And Brenda, you know how those phones were jammed on, uh, on Thursday. I actually had yes. to tell Brenda to call back after she heard a certain someone because we had to keep the line open for Bill Fickner and didn't want Sandy to know why we were keeping that line open. Uh, but Brenda, I've never seen all nine lines uh, filled here at the station. We were using the contest line to to get a few people on, and there was never an empty line. So I think it was a great tribute show, and that is available at WBEN.com and on the Radio.com app. Obviously, I would hope you'd wait 18 minutes before listening.
5: <laughs> right. Well, it certainly does uh, speak to Sandy's uh, many years in the business, his unique talent, and the way he, to me, Joe, I think one of the things that's been underreported about Sandy is the transition he made uh, and I posted about this on my Facebook page, which you probably saw, but the transition going from a disc jockey to a talk show host, that's not easily done. And he really did it seamlessly. So uh, kudos to, uh, to Sandy Beach. Hats off to our dear friend.
0: Yes. And as I said on uh, Thursday, Brenda, and I know you'll be there, too. Can't wait for uh, next month. We'll be able to see Sandy and Bernadette.
5: I think he'll be wearing a, a suit and tie, which is kind of unusual. So I can't wait to see uh, how how Sandy appears in his uh, in his groom outfit.
0: Yes, it'll be good <laughs> to see how uh, how the first month of retirement was. I'm sure uh, he'll talk about it. I'm sure he will. Um, now, on Thursday, I spoke with John Zogby. And first, Brenda, before I play a few cuts from the interview, I want to ask what you thought of that poll. You know, everything we see has Biden up nine to ten, uh, but Zogby and they really break down who they, uh, who they look at. Uh, Zogby has this very close, almost a statistical tie. Uh,
5: I think that's probably true. I, I, I would uh, definitely think that Zogby is on track for that because I think a lot of people don't admit who they're voting for. And, you know, with our candidates being so polarizing, uh, people may not actually uh, want to admit or acknowledge who their, their vote is going for. So I think uh, the statistical heat is probably what's happening.
0: Yeah, and we saw the political poll, uh, Politico poll during the week that said 77% of conservative minded people are, are scared to not even among strangers, but talk about their political opinion with family and friends. And I think that's something you have to remember when looking at these polls, that there are people who just and this might go for Biden as well, but there are people who just don't feel comfortable because of how divisive our climate is, they're not comfortable saying I'm 100% with this guy or this guy.
5: Well, you know, Joe, here it is already August, and I've been doing a lot of walking around the neighborhood because I'm working from home, and it's a chance to get out and get some fresh air, walk the dog, and so forth. And you know what I noticed, and I, I had mentioned this to my husband the other day, I don't see a lot of signs anymore. And I think people are reluctant to even put any sort of political sign in their front yard, or even throw a bumper sticker on their vehicle because of Uh, The the heightened tensions right now in the world we live in. Uh, So that's another reason I think Zogby's uh, uh, prediction about it being a close uh, race will definitely bear fruit.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would not put a political bumper sticker on my car. I don't like uh, driving through Charlottesville, Virginia with the uh, Virginia Tech bumper stickers I have on my car. Uh, (laughs) Now, Talking about that interview, I do want to play back the first answer, Brenda, if that's okay with you, uh, just breaking down this poll, what they looked at, and, you know, where it had moved over the last few months. So this is about a four-minute clip, and then Brenda and I will talk more. This is hard lying. Here is John Zogby from an interview I had with him on Thursday. Now, the obvious first question is, what did you look at for this poll, and why do you think it's so much closer than the other averages?
3: Well, I mean, outside of, you know, the the normal demographics that we take a look at, you know, like age and gender and party and income and region, what we really wanted to focus on were swing voters. And we define swing voters as people who voted for Obama in 2012 and then switched to Trump in 2016. Because I think that's an important group that's going to that's gonna play a big role in 2020. I think You know, if Biden is actually going to beat Trump, he's going to have to pick some of those people that went from Obama to Trump. He's going to have to pick them off. And that was, I think, one of the big things that we wanted to focus on. And I think one of the reasons that we have it actually closer is that when we drill down and we look at this specific demographic of of swing voters, Trump is actually winning three to one. And I think that's what's kind of closing the gap here. I mean, you know, Biden is, is winning with the groups, you know, the usual suspects, uh, demographics that would be favorable to de- Democrats. And that's younger voters, 18 to 29. That's going to be women. He's, be, he's outperforming Trump with independents and, and suburban voters. But I think the, the swing voter is, is, is definitely very important in, in 2020.
0: So in this poll with your swing voters and Trump, you said has a three-to-one advantage. Are you set, according to this right now? It doesn't look like Joe Biden is taking back those Biden those Obama voters.
3: No, no, he's not. And I, I think you know the next few polls we're going to drill down even further and figure out why is that. But no, um, he does not seem to have that appeal right now to to those swing voters. I mean, there's there's other groups that. That technically can be considered swing voters, like suburban voters and suburban women, and he's doing very well with with them. But I, I really think that the race is closer than a lot of people have it. I mean, you have some polls out there that have Biden up by 13 points, 15 points. You know, and I'm not going to name names. I've I've looked at some of those polls, and I think another factor here too is that some of these polls are really underrepresenting Republican voters. I mean, they have them down at 23. 20% when last time, you know, with, uh, with the exit polls in 2016, they, they were 34% of the electorate. So I think that's another factor, too. It's underrepresentation of Republican voters.
0: Looking at the breakdown, I see urban men. Trump has a lead 47 to 40%. Um, is that along the lines of how that number looked in 2016?
3: That I, I don't know specifically. I haven't looked at that one. But he does, you know, I've noticed in, in our polling over the last few years, um, he's actually improved his, uh, his standing with, with all voters in, in large cities, and that would be cities of, you know, a population of 500,000 um, people or more. And just automatically Trump is, is going to do better with, with male voters. He always does. So, it, it's, it's not a big surprise to me, but I, I think the, the urban vote um, is definitely something that we should pay attention to more because obviously his numbers have improved. But there's a lot, there, you know, there's some violent protests and there's some really destabilized situations across the country. So, I think if that continues, um, that might actually kind of play into his favor and he actually might, you know, do better with, with urban voters than, than he would have uh, the last time.
0: That is my interview with John Zogby from Zogby Analytics, the entire thing available at WBEN.com and on the radio.com app. Let's go to the phones. Speaking of the election, speaking of everything going on, and we will go to our friend John in Rochester. John, good morning.
4: Hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda.
5: Good morning, John. Welcome.
4: Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, You know, you mentioned the I just heard Zogby, and uh, you mentioned the poll. I was <clears throat> pleasantly surprised that uh, it's that that tight. Uh, it, but the thing that I'm, I want to bring up is the uh, danger. If you're a Trump supporter, uh, putting on bumper stickers, signs, etc., on your property <clears throat> can be ultimately very dangerous. I I think the uh, danger is coming from the left now. On the right, you are going to see uh, some uh, pranksters some some people that will uh, punish Biden supporters maybe vandalize whatever uh, but I think the predominant uh, aggression is coming from the left, and the most violence is coming from the left i i I would think uh, it would be not even close and and the thing that I wh- I, the Zogby poll might have uh, uncovered is this. The silent majority in the country is afraid to admit they're supporters of Trump. And maybe this is going to bode well for Trump uh, in November. But on the negative side of that also is uh, I'm a really afraid of the mail-in ballots. Uh, there's been a number of cases in the primaries that have happened in, throughout the country of a lot of voter fraud having to do with mail-in ballots. So I'd like to get your guys' take on both those points.
0: Well, the, the mail-in voting, you no. Know, here's the thing that gets me, John, is you've got one side of the political aisle that says Russia's going to interfere, Russia did all this stuff in 2016, but they're the same side that's saying, oh, nothing's going to happen to mail-in voting. There's nothing no, – there, nothing's going to happen. It'll be safe. Uh, so they're really talking out of both sides. Um, so I find that very interesting, that the side that wants us to believe that 2016 was obstructed by a foreign entity has no problem with you putting your ballot
5: in the mail. I, I have concern about the viability of that as well. I, You know, there's just too many things going on now that, that concern me about – uh, how legitimate that could be. So I, I do have concern about mail-in ballots and um, how well it can be managed and maintained. Uh, but the president also can't just say, you know, we're going to extend the election. As Dave Leventhal pointed out, there's a constitution involved here. <laughs> so, uh, but the concern I think is legitimate, John.
4: Yeah, and and I, I have to I have to say uh, uh, the the. The fraud that could go on, is it's, it's really scary when you think about a, a presidential election or even, even a congressional election. I was really surprised. Uh, I had heard the initial reports about Chris Jacobs ahead election uh, primary night by uh, 40 points or something It narrowed down to five or six. So it's going to be really uh, interesting to see. And the other thing is they talk about Russian, the, the Democrats mainly, Talk, and I'm a former Democrat, by the way, now independent. But but uh, the Democrats talk about Russian interference and Chinese interference in the election. Well, to, to favor Trump, that's ridiculous. Uh, if anything, the Russians. Do you think the Russians or the Chinese want Donald Trump versus, versus Joe Biden? It's 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 hilarious to think that uh, the Russians and Chinese would want. Uh, uh, trump over biden biden and and hillary the, the same type of thing it's 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 very hilarious
0: yeah i john i tend to agree with with you and you know i'm not for moving the election i think trump just put that tweet out there like he does with a lot of things just to see what the reaction would be um but again we did see elections moved earlier in this pandemic so i don't think it's the craziest thing to suggest moving the election if we don't have a safe way to vote but again i think the election will be on november 3rd I, i don't think there'll be any Issues with the date. The issue will be with mail-in voting, and I hope more states follow Texas' lead. Um, you know, uh, we have absentee ballots. We we have ways to to vote, but I think just letting everyone throw their ballot in the mail, um, if you don't see the uh, the potential for fraud, um, I, I think you're fooling yourself. But John, you know, I, uh, oh, I'm and, sorry, Brenda. go ahead. Joe.
5: I was just going to say to John's point, you know, I was mentioning how I don't see a lot of signs, at least, and again, this is just a small example. I'm walking around my neighborhood and I, you know, drive to other places and don't see a lot. But I think it's a reflection of how sad and divided the country is, which really is a uh, is disturbing to see that uh, there's such division in the country that you don't even feel like you can put a sign in your lawn or slap a, oh, yeah. uh, a bumper sticker on or wear a hat for that sake. So yeah, I, uh, it's, it's really sad to me.
0: I remember 20, uh, 2004, my parents put a uh, Bush Cheney sign in their front yard and it disappeared a week ago. So nothing new when it comes to those yard sides. Well, Brenda, we got to wrap it up for the week. Uh, I think another informative show that flew right by.
5: Always. Always great to be with you, folks. Stay safe and well. And Joe, I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, Brenda, we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazurowski. And at 9 a.m., David Bellavia starts his new show. You won't want to miss that right here on News Radio 930 WBEN.